Hey, Michael? Yeah, what's up, buddy? So, I'm looking over the spreadsheets for the expenses for the month, and why did you put E3 on here? Oh, yeah, because uh, we got ticketed or something for, I guess it's like maybe a droid violation or blasters. I don't know. I just that's, I always just kind of throw that stuff in the, the finances to be dealt with. Okay, well, E3PO, that's the droid. EE3, that's the gun. You're talking about the gaming convention, you know, E3? It's where they announce all the big gaming news for the year. I thought that was Twitter. Point taken. So, are we getting blasters or not? Enjoy your stay, What have we here? I suggest a new strategy. You really belong here with us, fun club. Welcome, scoundrels, to Cloud City Casino, your destination for Star Wars and gaming. I'd like to thank you for visiting us here at our fabulous podcast, Among the Clouds. And I'm the Baron Administrator of this podcast and your host, Michael Morris. And joining me with all that information about E3 and Twitter and blasters and whatnot, Nathan P. Butler. Hey, everybody. Uh, so this isn't the show about E3PO. Okay. I always get E3PO and U3PO mixed up. Which one is the one that cusses? Well, and Ichuta to you too, sir. Yeah, that's E3PO. Oh, okay. Yeah, I couldn't remember which was which. Yeah, E3PO is the one I've had to ticket over and over again. So maybe that's why you were thinking E3, E3PO. He's got more tickets for droid profanity than I've ever seen. Well, outside of R2-D2. True. Makes sense. Oh, man. So we've been gone for a little while. And as much as I would like to blame you and your whole move and everything, um, that's more me. Yes! <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, well, I mean, it's, to be fair, I mean, the move's been, been sucking up most of our time. I've spent most of the day getting the Star Wars office slash Star Wars room ready to go still. I'm on the last stage of it now, though. It's almost done but yeah, I mean, everything from from moving out of the apartment, cleaning the apartment so we can turn over the keys, getting you know, installation of appliances and everything. I have a feeling that if you had had more time, I wouldn't have anyway. So let's share the blame on this, <laughs> though. I appreciate you taking one for the team. <laughs> that's well, that's what I do. So um, in the meantime, though, or, you know, since our last recording, there's been a lot of stuff come out. This is true. Predominantly, of course, as we've mentioned a few times here, E3 was held with some new Star Wars news. And of course, spinning out of E3, we got a surprise Star Wars video game demo. And we got uh, a, shortly after E3, a new DLC dropping for season pass holders, at least for Battlefront. So it's been a pretty active week, two weeks, almost month in gaming. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Uh, and then, of course, we've had uh, a new wave announced for X-Wing, so uh, certainly want to get into that. And uh, here, being one of the places to really first bring it up, talk about it, notice it, uh, I mentioned that either Cyana or, uh, oh, I can't remember the guy's name from Lost Stars was supposed to be in the role-playing game. Thane. Well, yeah, Thane. So... We actually got more information on that, too. So um, I guess we'll go ahead and kind of mention that first. So they had, uh, let's see, it was 
uh, Claudia Gray had actually mentioned it. I think it was Salt Lake Comic Con. Uh, she, she'd mentioned it there. But she sort of said it as like a little throwaway comment. And I was like, okay, that's very interesting because I feel like she's got to be talking about one of the Fantasy Flight games. Um, well, so it wasn't the role-playing game. It was actually X-Wing. So apparently she is going to be a pilot in uh, the X-Wing game at some point. Very cool. Very cool. And they are branching out into other eras, it seems now, really heavily. So that, well, not really heavily. They're starting to branch into other eras besides the original trilogy era with X-Wing or the Force Awakens era. So there's a lot of room to maneuver with her because she was a character who is all throughout the original trilogy era and a bit beyond up through Jakku, and we don't know much about her experiences after that. So there's a lot of room to play with her and what ships she might be flying because she and Thane were both expert pilots. Yep, yep. So um, it's pretty cool. We even got to sort of see a, an image of her, which was nice. Um, not not like uh, some of the artwork that I know bothers you so much. <laughs> Somebody beat her with a stick, an <laughs> ugly stick. Right. Talking about, you know, the different generations, I guess, that uh, they're going into... Uh, they've announced the newest wave, which contains the ARC-170. Exactly, which kind of threw me because, I mean, I think that they're working under the assumption that this is something, at least based on their press release, that the Rebel Alliance recovered, repaired, and retrofitted to be used during the Galactic Civil War. So technically they're saying, oh no, this is still the original trilogy era. But of course that's the ship we know from... Revenge of the Sith, and a tiny bit of the Clone Wars. Uh, it's a wave that's going to include... It's it's pretty eclectic. This seems like an odd wave to me. We've got the ARC-170. We have the Special Forces TIE Fighter for the First Order, which everybody was expecting pretty much as soon as they put out the regular, spe the, uh, regular First Order TIE Fighter. It was, oh, regular one's out, now they're going to do Special Forces, and regular T-70X-Wing is out, they're going to do Poe's, except, of course, Poe got packaged with the new... Uh, version of the Millennium Falcon, and we also have two from Rebels that are kind of moving away from the obvious Rebels ones. We have the Protectorate Starfighter, which was from the Protector of Concord Dawn episode. It's the Mandalorian ship, and the Shadowcaster, which is Ketso Onyo's ship from the show, uh, which others might remember as designed after the Havoc from the uh, Starfighter video game, Nims. Ships. So it's a it's a kind of eclectic thing. And from what I'm seeing, am I understanding correctly that the 170 is Rebel, the Special Forces tie is First Order, but then the other two are both considered scum and villainy? Yes, that is correct. Interesting. Mm -hmm. um, so even more interesting than that, did you check out the pilots for the uh, ARC-170? I've skimmed them, but my eyesight just is is not great when it comes to trying to zoom in on their nice little product promo images. Who do we have? Uh, well, most interesting is Nora Wexley. Oh, snap! No, nope. Mama. That's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, snap's Mama. Um, well, that's interesting because we didn't mm -hmm. really, I mean, we found her flying... I think it was a Y-Wing in Aftermath, and they maybe yep. even mentioned her flying an A-Wing at some point as well, but now here she is flying an ARC-1. So, you know what? Why not? You know, it's it's that versatility of uh, 
of Rebel pilots. Can we tell who any of the other ones are at this point? I'm really not able myself, I don't think. So I, I knew them before, and now I've already forgotten who exactly it was, and I can't place in my head. Um, it looks like another one starts with, because they're kind of covered up, uh, S-H-A maybe? Um, so that may be Shara Bay, perhaps? Yeah. Uh, Poe yep. Dameron's mom? Yes. Yep, yep. I don't know why I didn't place that together. I was, and yep. is, um, now I'm having a lot of trouble seeing the far left one on the same image, but the one that appears second looks like it starts with T-H-A-N. Could that be Thane from Lost Stars? And maybe we're getting both Sienna and Thane? Potentially. That would be really cool. Very um, cool. Like I said, I know that, uh, I know I had seen it uh, kind of spelled out uh, f for the different ones because what they mentioned was that each one of these all drove a different ship. And apparently some people are speculating and, and don't like take this as, yes, this is what it's going to be. But there had been talks of um, double-sided cards in the past. And so uh, people were sort of curious if these wouldn't be double-sided cards that when you flip them over... Uh, Nora will be a Y-Wing and she'll have uh, separate stats for a Y-Wing. And then uh, where cool. Shara would have uh, potentially an A-Wing. And I think they were um, saying maybe if, if it was Thane, which I can't remember exactly, maybe he was like a Z-95 or something like that. Um, but that was just some conspiracy theory stuff going on that uh, could be mm, awesome well if it ends up being the truth. Will be odd unless there's something special about the ship token, right? Because the ship card could have two sides. But when they're showing the image of the product, unless they've left something out, and they usually don't, right? It appears there's only two ship tokens, which would have one pilot on each side, and there's four ship cards. So where would the other Nora Wexley be accounted for, right? If she was flipping, unless. One of the ones we're seeing, the bottom of it has something where it's the exact same you know, numbers or something, and it just happens to have you know a Y-Wing symbol, or maybe even different numbers. Uh, it just I don't see how they would do that without adding another ship token somehow. Yeah, I, I have no idea. It's, it's one of those things where I think it's people really wanting it to be the case, but it's probably not the case, unfortunately. Now, so. I, do like, I do like the with the special forces... TIE Fighter for the First Order. And again, for those who haven't played X-Wing in a while, they're basically making it so that the First Order and the Empire are all considered the Imperial faction, and then you've got the Resistance and the Rebellion as a faction. So you can play those together, mix and matching time periods. You don't necessarily have to stick with just First Order or just Empire, just Rebellion or just Resistance. That's been something since they put out the new core set back on Force Friday. But I'm looking at this Special Forces tie, which looks pretty sweet, looks a little nicer than the uh, the rather bendable micro-machine I have. But, <laughs> of course, we don't really know much in the way of pilots at this point for the First Order. So it's another of these, we're just going to make up a bunch of nicknames thing and they're going to be the official pilots. But I found it very impressive that apparently Quick Draw McGraw got to be a pilot, or at right. least Quick Draw did. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, there's nothing really recognizable though here. This feels like a very generic set of pilots and to an extent generic set of, of upgrades. Like, because we just don't know enough about the TIE pilots right now. Yeah, I mean, so the the main thing that you got to look at, and that's something that that's been brought in uh, with this wave, is having a auxiliary firing arc on a small base ship. This is true. You could actually fire behind because the special forces tie has those. Essentially, you got your two 
pilots inside, one facing either direction because that's the ship they escaped in in a... Uh, in the Force Awakens, and it's got that cannon mounted on the top that can actually swivel both directions. Yep, and um, Arc One Seventy also has that. So both of those ships will have a auxiliary firing arc. Why doesn't it have one hundred and seventy arcs if it's an Arc One Seventy? Is that just too difficult? Um, you know, uh, or no, it has a hundred seventy degree firing arc. Like there's one little tiny ten percent that you can't do, or ten degrees that you can't do. <laughs> right. I don't know. But either way, you know, it's it's pretty exciting seeing some of the stuff, uh, especially some of the upgrade cards. A lot of people are excited about this vector thrust because it's essentially going to give your ship, it, it'll go on uh, small ship only, but it allows you to have barrel roll. So a lot of people are going, that's exactly what we need for the X-Wing. Like, that's going to be a great X-Wing fix. So uh, lots of really cool stuff in, in these waves. Um, you know, I was looking at, like, the special ops... Uh, training, which is going to give you a, uh, I can just read it real quick here, says, when attacking with a primary weapon from your uh, primary firing arc, so that's just your normal attack, essentially, you may roll one additional attack die. If you do not, you may perform an additional attack from your auxiliary firing arc. So, essentially, you can sort of pick, okay, I can either throw an extra dice, or I can get two attacks um, you know, if I've got a ship in front of me and behind me. So, and that's at zero cost. So that makes that thing pretty freaking sweet. Nice. And yeah. I'm, of course, the, you know, the big, ooh, what kind of continuity stuff is in here? Who is showing up kind of guy? And I'm seeing Finn Rao for mm-hmm. the Protectorate ship and the Shadowcaster. I'm, pr- I mean, you look at the the different crew members that it has. It's got, like, Lats Razi, for instance, is in there. There's an uh, IG droid. It sure uh, looks like a... Asajj. Uh, yeah, yeah. Asajj <laughs> Ventress is there as one of these ship cards, as one of the pilots, um, uh-huh. which I'm assuming is a reference to Asajj's ship, whose name escapes me off the top of my head, from a Dark Disciple that was described in a way very similar to the Shadowcaster. I'm, I, I think this is going to be a weird... It, it's like there's a couple of waves that they've announced where it's just like, those are the ships you're doing? That's... Kind of odd. And then it winds up being pretty cool once you actually get a chance to to mm-hmm. check them out in detail. And this seems like one of those eclectic waves. Yeah. it's um, I'm really excited about it. Uh, I mean, there's even something... I'm seeing like this strange little point thingy here going on. I don't know what that's about. Um, you see what I'm talking about? Right below the, uh, like the little numbering system on uh, the Shadowcaster. You talking about the little? It's got like the the zero or the one or the two, and it's got like a little dot underneath the number. Well, it's it's not that even. It's a, if you go down further, it's almost like there's a little uh, point thing that looks similar to the. Uh, oh, I yeah. get you. I don't know what that is, but it's. I'm sure it's not important. I would just. Uh, I'm just I'm just stoked, man, because it looks like with the Shadowcaster, we're getting new ID tokens, and who doesn't need more <laughs> ID tokens? <laughs> Um, or shield tokens. I think or I'm, stress tokens. Yeah, I've got some just, lock tokens. I just directly critical throw hit away tokens. Now. Stop it with the tokens. Well, I mean, they got to do it for the people. I know who it's don't just the, yeah. I, that, that's taking up a lot of my uh, a lot of my, my tackle boxes that are now arranged, by the way, nicely in little ranks of two side by side on shelves, specially installed in the uh, closet for that purpose. You know so you my can, Star Wars room has a gaming 
closet. You know you can throw that stuff away, right? Like, you don't have to keep every token they give you. Yeah, but see, I'm buying one of each product as it comes out, so I want to have the one of each. It's like a collection plus something I can play with. Okay, well, maybe just put Hey, the... hey, hey, you, you ever bought an action figure and not taken it out of the packaging? Yeah. You know you can throw that sheet that. away, right? Oops. <laughs> <laughs> I think I may have just killed him. <laughs> He'll be inserting a bleep just to keep the funny. Oh, that was good. Um, yes, but the the difference is that you you keep that in in that condition and you keep it there. You're opening for, for value, though, right? Well, if I were going to turn around and sell, say, my Shadowcaster expansion pack someday, wouldn't the person, if they want a complete Shadowcaster expansion pack, want to have all the tokens and stuff too? Huh? They probably won't care. Gamers are fickle. <laughs> yes, we are. Yeah. So, um, also, if you look and see, there's, uh, which you may have mentioned this, some of the um, pilots that we've got down at the bottom, some of the crew cards. Did you bring that up already? Yeah. Uh, Lats Razi's on there, uh -huh. some kind of IG droid. And yeah. it's interesting that Kits, and we've seen this before. That Ketsu Onyo is not just a ship card to be the actual pilot. She's also mm. on one of the upgrade cards if we want to make her crew yeah. and use a different pilot. I thought that was that's that's a pretty cool way of doing it because I know that while the key thing is playing it, you know, when you're playing competitively, is what's going to kick enough ass to make me win. Mm -hmm. A lot of times when I'm just playing for fun, it comes down to well, let's do something thematic, and thematic would mean you know Ketsu probably should be on her own ship if you're really going to play with it, like. Uh, when we were designing things, um, uh, when when John Jackson Miller and I were talking about how to design an X-Wing scenario based on a piece of A New Dawn, it was how can we make it as authentic and true to A New Dawn as possible? Not necessarily, let's go kick butt, but let's do something that's thematic. And X-Wing does missions that are very thematic and campaigns that are very thematic, but sometimes I like to make the theme apply to just a regular game in terms of what I'm choosing and having Ketsu in both positions, that's a cool option. Right, right. Um, and, and It'll so get me killed, <laughs> probably, but it's a cool option. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously you can't put her in, uh, you can't fly Ketsu with Ketsu as a um, a crew member, but you know, if you were flying, like, say, Asajj... Like in standing in the middle, flipping stuff with both hands. <laughs> right, if you were flying Asajj, you could throw her in. Now, as, as a Besselisk, maybe you could do it. Right. Um, so the, the cool thing though is, um, it's kind of cool, but kind of interesting. Cause I'm like, I don't know. I don't know how I want them to do this, but we have, I'm, I'm saying that's IG 88 because that, uh, that artwork looks familiar. A lot of times FFG will recycle some of their artwork across games. And so I believe that's an IG 88 crew card, which we haven't gotten so far, but it it's hard to tell. Cause it's so, if it's IG 88, his head's kind of Angle, it's, it's, yeah, it's sort of angle. Mm -hmm. It's angled. it almost looks like an HK droid to me more than an IG droid, but it's because of the the angle and because of the teeny tiny picture. Right. If if I'm not mistaken, I believe this is from the card game. Uh, it's it's been used prior in the card game. But so here's my thing: is I'm wondering, okay, are they missing out on the opportunity to do multiple IG cards, or are they saying, okay, we did it for the <laughs> we did it for the pilots. That's enough. Because <laughs> so they did it for the pilots back for the uh, the IG two thousand. So right. So I don't. I don't know. know. 
Maybe maybe the IG88A through D was like them saying, here's our Legends IG88, but we have no indication in canon that there's more than one yet. So now this is a, this is the canonical IG88. There's just one. <laughs> yeah, It's authentic. Right, right. Yeah, we'll see if we can get the, some more uncovered from these cards. But either way, I'm I'm really really happy with this set. And of course, now I'm gonna have to look. Uh, like I I always do right before a set comes out and goes. Okay, how many of each of these will I need to buy? Um, because since I play them, um, and I get everything, I want to make sure and get enough of everything so that I can uh, field it at that point. You know, I can pretty much field any list that I want to field, even though I'll play the same list for like a year straight. But that's my business. Don't hassle me. This is true. This is true. Now, uh, before we move on, are we ready to move on for Fantasy Flight? Because I have one thing I want to add for Fantasy Flight. Well, um, you know, the other thing is that uh, there was also the announcement for Armada. The announcement for Armada. Uh I'm going to have to look while you're describing it. Um... So there was an announcement for Armada uh, with new ships that we we just got, uh, including the oh I can't even remember the name of it now, um, the one that we just saw in Rebels. Yeah, I did see that one. I it was a little bit further back, so I was thinking I missed something really really recently. But yeah, they've announced the Interdictor, which did recently show up in Rebels, so now it's showing up in Armada, which is cool. And uh, the Liberty, the MC eighty, uh, Mon Calamari ship has been announced, and isn't it a little odd? It seems like that it's like they're announcing just two ships at a time every time it seems like lately for Armada instead of what we think of as a full wave. Because when they did the first wave or two, it was, here's a full wave, and now it seems like it's trickling out. Is it just because Armada doesn't have the installed fan base that X-Wing does, or you know, why is Armada moving so slowly? So I'm wondering if it's because uh, I don't really know for sure, but but I do know that Armada does not have the playership that X-wing has, which is which is not bad necessarily because X-wing has now become the number two most popular uh, tabletop game. Um, so it it does not have the same. It doesn't have you know that large of a uh, a player base. However, you can look at like Imperial Assault, which has you know several things coming out quite a bit. I'm wondering if the the thing is that um, it, it may be a situation of them trying to uh, to consider the cost, since you know these ships are a lot more expensive than the the X-wing or the Imperial Assault. That they don't want to release large, uh, you know, because a lot of times you you may buy two of them. So if if you're buying, yeah. you know, if you want to buy both of these to uh, so that you can field a list, and and you want to buy enough of them for for a list if if you're going to be buying multiples that can get really expensive really quick so um they they may say let's just do two ships for right now that way if somebody's going to buy like four to six something like that then that's just four to six in comparison to say if we were doing four ships you know that can be like 12 ships and could be very very expensive well it just it strikes me though i mean you look back at wave two which is the last wave we actually got right and you had the Starfighters for the Rebels. You had the Starfighters for the Empire. You had uh, that new uh, ship that they came up with specifically for X-Wing, uh, the uh, Imperial Raider, which is a smaller one. You had uh, Home One. You had the MC-30C. And you had an Imperial-class Star Destroyer that was freaking huge. So you had basically two larger ships, two smaller ships, and sets of Starfighters. Wave 3... Is two products. 
the assault carrier and the transports. Wave right. four is two products. It feels like, I mean, it, it, from a production cost standpoint, it, it has me sitting back saying that can't be the only reason because it must have to do with what you're saying about just the, uh, the, the lack of as much of a fan base because it seems as though Armada, its waves are trickling out, and when they do announce it, they're pretty paltry. I mean, I like the game. I, I enjoy the game. And I love the fact that you can get these these huge scale things like an Imperial Star Destroyer in it, and it still works from a scale standpoint. But it just feels like Armada is slowly dying, or at least it's on life support at this point. I, I don't believe it is. Um, I, I don't believe it is. But I, I just think that it's a situation of them trying to... Um, or at least I think it's probably just a situation of them trying to not overwhelm uh, the consumer or the or the player with too many options or too many buying uh, choices at, at one point and cause them to say, this game is too expensive for me. Uh, the other option could be that you can either have uh, a giant wedge-shaped ship or you can have a giant clunky um looks like it's been at the bottom of the sea ship and you'll just get a different variation of that each time you know right i, I yeah, love I, this, I love the I ships just, of star wars but uh once you start getting in this large scale they mm -hmm. all start to look kind of the same that is true there is there is a similarity to it. i guess uh, to to in, go back to my pattern though just kind of going into just this wait a second so how has it has it shrunk it went from four to two to two Let's take wave one into account. Mm -hmm. Seven products, not right. counting the core set. Seven, then four, then two, then two. And those count as each of those counts as different waves, wave one through four. Some I don't know. I, I put it this way. There's a part of me that's fearing for Armada. The other part of me is just the fanboy saying, I want more Armada. I right, keep getting right. tons of X-Wing and especially Imperial Assault. I want more Armada. But they, this is where they really need to, to stretch out into other eras. Unfortunately, there's not much in the way of capital ships that we got in The Force Awakens, so it would almost need to be reaching into you know Clone Wars era or something to really beef up Armada. True, but I don't know that even you know the capital ships even in Armada were I mean, in Armada in Clone Wars were that extensive. You know, I mean there there were a, a couple few of, at least right. enough to make another wave. Right. And they can make themed waves. You know, here's a wave of this era, a wave of this or something. Because well, I mean, X Wing X Wing ran out of ships from the films and started grabbing from all over the place. Legends and the cartoons and everything. Armada hasn't really done that kind of reaching out yet. There's potential there, maybe not as much as with Starfighters, but two ships in a wave. And, and like the next wave that's coming out, Imperial Assault Carriers and Transports. Woo, sexy. There's nothing <laughs> to get excited about with Wave 3 to me. Wave yeah. four, yeah, it's a it's a freaking interdictor, and oh, another Mon Cal ship. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and that's the way I feel. The interdictor looks, I mean, that thing just looks sweet. You know, I, I love the look of that ship, um, but the Mon Cal ship is kind of like, yeah, you know, and that's why for this game, I, I mean, I kind of will buy a few things, whatever, but I've decided I'm going to play um, Imperials, and I'm pretty much just going to get Imperials if if I get. Uh, you know, if I get a rebel ship, then I may only get one or two, but I'm not going to be getting them to seriously try to field rebel ships. And 
a lot of that was because I, I said, if you throw down, if you if somebody were to walk up who's familiar with Star Wars and they saw two uh, Imperial players playing each other versus two Rebel pl- play, two Rebel players playing each other, which one do you think uh, they would say that's Star Wars? Well, Imperials, of course. Yeah, because d- to me those ships are iconic, whereas the Rebel ships not so much. I mean, sure the. Uh, you know the blockade runner, but you know if if you see a couple of the you know the home one and uh, the MC eighty and and you know some of those frigates and stuff, they're going to be like, I don't know, Star Trek, Battlestar Galactica, Babylon. It's 5? the Battle of the Triangles for true <laughs> Star Wars. Right, right. So just to me, they are the iconic capital ships of Star Wars. So that's what I wanted to, um, that's what I wanted to actually kind of get behind for those. So. I don't know. We'll have to see. I'm not. Uh, I haven't looked too much into the details of the of the new wave stuff. You know, with the um, those transports, it may be something pretty cool. Um, I'm I'm not sure. I don't know how much information we have on those. I, I I imagine that they've probably given us some more information, but I haven't read those articles yet. So I semi apologize. You know, I apologize, but I don't really mean it. If you semi apologize, then you apologize and roll out. <laughs> right. So, I mean, I think that's about it for uh, mentioning some of the tabletop stuff. Yeah, uh, I would mention, and this is something I, I don't know that we've ever touched on this here on the show, but as a side mention very quickly, um, we were just looking for a quick game to play the other day, and I busted out the Empire vs. Rebellion card game from Fantasy Flight Games, a reskin of their old CIA versus KGB game. Uh, I did a demo game of it on the YouTube channel a while back, but still a very fun Star Wars themed card game that's not super heavy on detailed mechanics. Basically, if you can handle blackjack with a little bit of strategy, you can handle Empire versus Rebellion. I would highly suggest that to someone who's looking for a new Star Wars game and isn't quite ready for the heavy investment of the LCG or any of the miniatures games because it's a quality product, but it tends to get tends to get kind of lost in the shuffle very often, but uh, you know, still fun even after playing it plenty of times. Yeah, it's one I, I need to look into. I got it. I, I managed to find it. Um, I know I should always support your local game store, but sometimes I see things for really good deals on Amazon, and I think I got it for like 8 bucks or something like that, so I had to snag yeah, it. Yeah, it's super <laughs> cheap. I mean, I think retail, it's like 13 bucks. It's yeah. easy to get your hands on. Yeah, yeah, somewhere between like 12 and 15 somewhere in there. Um, but uh, so besides all that, yeah, E3's rolled around and, and we've got some new Battlefront stuff going on. Why, yes, yes, we do. Do we want to talk about E3 first or Battlefront stuff first? Because that's the big news, both of those. Yeah, let's let's uh, let's save our load for. Uh, is that can I say that on here? <laughs> save our load. <laughs> I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. Um, yeah, let, let's let's tackle some of the E3 stuff, and then we'll lead into Battlefront. All righty. Well, uh, I guess even prior to E3, we had a video montage with a few little interviews and whatnot. Give us sort of a look ahead at Star Wars gaming. And it doesn't seem like we really learned a whole lot that we didn't know before. Well, we got glimpses more at things. Uh, we know now, it's been confirmed, that Battlefront 2 is coming next year. And they have listened to the fans, which theoretically means story mode. Maybe, maybe um, 
uh, John Boyega showed up finally at the offices and slapped him around with some of his mad lightsaber skills and was like, you will have a story mode. <laughs> and then his dad was like, what is story mode? Um, and then you have, uh, let's see, the visceral game. They finally showed, it's just really a screenshot or a tiny bit of footage, but they had a brief little spot with Amy Hennig talking about it and her being involved gives me all kinds of hope because they talk about working with the Lucasfilm Story Group, and this is the woman who spearheaded Uncharted 1 through 3, which were basically the best Indiana Jones games of all time, including Indiana Jones games. Um, oh, can I say that? Is that disrespectful to Indiana Jones games, <laughs> that Uncharted is better than Indiana Jones at being Indiana Jones? Um, I, I wasn't aware that there were Indiana Jones games. So. Oh, there you are. They're just that. Aside from the old Lucas LucasArts point-and-click one from years ago for Last Crusade, most of them have sucked. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess they just reconfirmed that Respawn is working on a game, um, but didn't really give more, much detail, though they we saw some motion capture going on for Respawn and found that Stig Admusen who many might know as one of the, the guys behind the God of War games early on in their cycle, um, is involved in the making of that. So it's kind of some question of where it is that Respawn is going with their game. And they reminded us, hey, yeah, those mobile games exist. And that really seemed like it was about it as far as news. Um, aside from delving heavier into some Battlefront stuff, uh, which is more of a hardware plus software thing we can get into, um, it seems like all that, though, was stuff that we kind of knew already because of some of the recent press releases they had, wasn't it? Yeah, it's like it's like Twitter had already come and announced it. <laughs> <laughs> now, the big one, though, for Battlefront that people actually got to see that we already knew was coming, though, was the mission, right? We have the PlayStation VR exclusive Battlefront mission not missions not game though it was hinted at a while back that there may be a game itself in the works or perhaps the ability to maybe play a game in vr or regular um kind of like what they're doing with resident evil 7 but there is going to be apparently a space-based x-wing combat mission for battlefront released for free for owners of this current battlefront uh, for playstation vr later this year, which, again, they hinted at, but we actually got to see it, and it looks it looks pretty cool. I don't know what I would be expecting other than just immersion sitting in the cockpit and turning my head to see stuff and the feeling of inertia, maybe. I mean, it's, it's a pretty safe bet to do VR in a cockpit, kind of like it's a safe bet to do VR as a first-person shooter. It's not a lot of chances being taken there, but it is a new push of the tech. Yeah, see? So all the people who've been wanting, oh, we want a space mission, we want a space mission, they've finally given you one, and it's free. And it's only going to cost you <laughs> about five or $600 <laughs> worth of actual equipment to do. Oh. <laughs> it's free, but not so much. So um, <laughs> price tag on this thing, I suppose. Um, yeah, I'll look up, I'm going to look up the PlayStation camera and move real quick. No, it goes for roughly 40 on... Um on Amazon, so I think it's probably about 50 bucks. PlayStation VR, of course, is a PlayStation exclusive product. So number one, you're going to have to have a PlayStation 4, right? So 400 bucks right there if you don't have one yet. Keep in mind, and this is something Michael brought up when we were live streaming, I guess it was yesterday, yep. that this is a mission. This is not a full-fledged game. So if this is your killer app to get you into PlayStation VR or to get a PlayStation 4 and maybe you're 
you're using an Xbox One or something now, keep in mind it's just a mission. It's not a full game that may make the decision between buying it, buying PlayStation VR or not if this is your thing. Um, but yeah, the system. You're going to need a PlayStation camera, which runs, uh, Michael was saying, about 50 bucks, give or take at this point. Uh, you are going to need, at some point for some of the games, I don't know if it's needed for the X-Wing uh, Battlefront demo. I don't think they showed what exactly you had to use to control it. But in general, you're going to wind up needing a pair of PlayStation Move motion controllers. Remember back in PlayStation 3 era, they did the PlayStation Move with the little PSI camera, and you did motion controls. You had the little wands with the colored balls on top, and then there was a, a navigation controller with an analog stick. Well, push the navigation controller aside for now and assume you're holding two of those sticks with the colored balls on them. You're going to need a pair of those, which are sold separately um, uh, for about, I guess, I'm, I'm seeing on Amazon for like 26 27 30 bucks, whatever. So those aren't even um, going to come with the VR setup? They do not come with the headset as far as... I mean, there's bundles you can buy, but it, they are selling it separately so that if you already have, like, the camera and the motion controllers, you don't have to rebuy them as part of an, a more expensive package. Um, but then you're going to have to buy the headset itself and all the VR gear and the virtual reality gear of PlayStation VR by itself that goes on sale in October is 400 so you're looking at probably if you don't have a PlayStation 4 yet at all and didn't have any of the PlayStation Move motion controllers from the PS3 at all, you're looking at about a $900 to $1,000 buy-in. Is that all? On this. Yeah, is that all? Is that all? <laughs> For one space mission. Yeah, again, if that's the only thing you're getting into. But <laughs> right. for everything I'm seeing out of E3 is that the PlayStation VR was fantastic. And the stuff like the way that you... I mean, you can play the Resident Evil 7 game in regular mode or VR and go back and forth seamlessly with your game saves. Um, they showed quite a few launch games of varying quality um, that make it seem as though of the consumer VR products out there at this point, uh, there's, what, three, four of them, um, that this is going to be the one that, at least for now, is going to have a, a nice breadth of launch content so i'm i'm cautiously optimistic i'll be buying one but i've already got the camera the two move controllers and the ps4 so for me it's a 400 dollars buy-in rather than a thousand you are such a schmuck hey hey <laughs> i just because i bought a playstation portable go a psp go instead of a regular psp and just because i bought into playstation move back last generation that doesn't mean anything <laughs> right no i mean i'm i'm you know i'm i'm playing around obviously it's cool of uh dice and ea to actually include this for free because you know it's it's not like they're charging they're the ones that's charging you the 400 dollars. that's just the price of the equipment just want to kind of get out there that this is yeah. as far as we know currently this is just the one mission, not a full game or full game experience. Well, it's it's, it's kind of like the Jakku content, right? They said, here's some free content. Right. Um, it's new. It adds to the game. It's not as much as the kind of content we would charge you for, but here's some free stuff, which is good. It's nice. Right, right. So so I'm not, uh, you know, I, I'm not bashing on them. I'm really not even bashing on uh, Sony or PlayStation for it. It's just more of me being, I guess... Uh, a crotchety old man and it's like vr i remember vr from the 90s 
It's just one of those fad <laughs> games. You when, know. when I was your age, I had a Victor Max Stuntmaster. <laughs> right. It was like two giant screens up against my balls, and all you could do was simulate the left and right buttons on the controller by turning your head left and right. Mm-hmm. If you clipped a stick to the shoulder of your clothes, I kid you not. And yes, I bought one of those back in the day, too. So, yeah, I am a schmuck. (laughs) So, I mean, for me, currently, I'm looking at this as being um, sort of, you know, gimmick gaming, I guess, or whatever, something along the lines of, like, the the Kinect or the uh, PlayStation Move, which weren't, you know, not terrible, but not worth a $400 investment for myself. Um, I could definitely uh, be swayed on that. I reserve the right to change my opinion at any damn moment um so i may strap on some goggles and be like this is better than real life but currently i haven't done so so uh i'm waiting for the shadows of the empire game for playstation vr then you can really see she's or go all rapey <laughs> it's actually you you play as princess leia <laughs> <laughs> and you're like batting him away get oh, away get off do not fail that mission <laughs> oh, no 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 you think the you have died screen on Resident <laughs> Evil game is bad. It's just it's just Shizor smooches all over the screen. Oh. <laughs> oh. Ow. Ow. Okay. Um, I guess the other thing to come out uh, of E3 sort of was uh, they were like, hey, by the way, demo of Lego Star Wars The Force Awakens, it's out now. And uh, I downloaded it as soon as I heard. I haven't touched it because I've got the game <laughs> coming. But I've got the demo downloaded. Right. Yeah, see, I'm the same way. I, I was like, sweet, and I haven't even messed with it. Um, I, I'll get to it, but, you know, it's it's. I, I'm interested, but it's it's the same thing with you of going, well, I'm getting the full game here pretty soon, and we've got that other thing that we'll get to in a moment. Um, but so, so we've got the demo. I mean, is there anything else on it, or is just the demo's here? So a few things that I would point out because... This game is coming out next week as of the time we're recording this. It comes out on the 28th. It's coming out for PlayStation 4, for Xbox One, for Nintendo 3DS, for Wii U, for PlayStation 3, apparently for PlayStation Vita, and for Xbox 360 uh, for varying prices, okay? Um, If you want to get it as a deluxe edition, you can get it as a deluxe edition for Xbox One or PlayStation 4. And the deluxe edition is going to give you... Now, understand that a digital edition is not going to give you anything physical here, obviously. Um, But if you buy the deluxe edition physical version, you're getting uh, collectible 3D graphic art, whatever that is, uh, an exclusive Finn as Stormtrooper Lego minifigure, Uh, the game itself, you get a, a season pass... Right, that's going to include three level packs and five character packs. Yes, it's a Star Wars Lego game with a season pass, but the season pass is included here. Um, If you pre-order it, you've got a pre-order exclusive of the Empire Strikes Back character pack. And if you were to pick it up on a Sony system like the PS4 rather than a Microsoft system or a Nintendo system, there is a Sony exclusive The Phantom Limb level pack and droid character pack that you get that the other platforms do not. Though I haven't seen anything yet as to whether that is a timed exclusive or an actual full exclusive exclusive, as in something that's exclusive for now or something that's exclusive forever. 
Um, that deluxe edition is only running about what is it, seventy bucks, yeah, which is only about so. ten bucks more than a standard game. And if you if you have Amazon Prime, you already get a discount, and then you know free shipping on it for release day. So if you're an Amazon Prime person, deluxe edition is totally the way to go. Plus your FN two one eight seven. Your Lego FN two eight eight seven. That's right. Um, so your FN two one eight seven. Wait, wait, not not FN. Your FN two one eight seven. Yeah, that's what they were actually saying. They, they're still TKs. They were just you know, um, <laughs> trader. <laughs> right. Uh, so they are really packing in a lot of stuff with that. Yeah, it was pretty impressive. I mean, there haven't really been a lot of Star Wars games to have deluxe editions. Um, I guess the the one that stands out to me, game at least as far as console games go, I guess the one that really stands out to me console-wise is, what, Force Unleashed 2, maybe? And that had some cool pack-in stuff with it. But, uh, yeah, it seems like they're certainly really pushing it to make sure that this release has a lot of, of enticements to go deluxe and to pre-order to some extent um, than, uh, than a lot of these previous editions where it was just, you know, one size fits all. Right, right. So that's pretty cool. We'll definitely uh, be giving some more info on that once we have the game in hand. And live streaming! You and me live streaming that sucker! Yeah, okay, that's right. We can. I always forget that we're, you know, in this century and not the last one. 2015 or 16? You mean we're in the future? Oh, great Back to the Future 2 reference there. There you go. <laughs> so uh, with that, I guess let's, let's get into our uh, bread and butter here. We actually just got to play that new Bespin content yesterday. Yes, as of yesterday, Bespin as a DLC pack, the second DLC pack for Battlefront... Uh, is available for season pass holders. About two weeks after that, it'll be available to everyone else. And I guess that is one piece of news that came out around E3 also with Battlefront related to the DLC, which is that now they've, they're saying that the last of the DLC will be arriving in December. So they've squished things back. It used to be that the last DLC was coming sometime, I think it was spring 2017. So it seems like maybe they're pushing it back so that perhaps they could do some Rogue One stuff maybe with the fourth DLC. Um, but the second one, Bespin has arrived for season pass holders. Like, like <laughs> it has arrived. Asterisk. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Riley. I, uh, I I did hear him trying to discuss which one he should go with uh, the other day, and you, yeah, you he decided he was going to go with an individual. Like, all right, you can wait. <laughs> right. So, um, that's uh. I guess that'll be what it is for him. But so, yeah, we got to play it yesterday. And then, of course, there was also the update on top of that. And uh, I want to, I guess I'll hit the negative before we get into the positive. I'm, I'm pretty mad about my dang uh, quit button being gone. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> yes. Yeah. On the menu, when you're loading into a match, you used to have a menu that has, oh, is this like your, your unlocks and what the mode is and which friends are in the game with you and whatnot. And down on the corner, there was a quit button. And now on that screen, some of those little boxes, including the quit box, is gone. And you have to actually hit start or option in the case of the uh, PS4 and choose quit. My God, you've got to hit one more button. 
Well, now, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> That's now, you can look at it from that perspective, or you can look at it to the perspective of, why did you change that? Why did you give me another button to hit? You know? For the same reason that they added, like, four screens to the after-match screen before it loads your new match, one of which was giving you redundant hut contract information on ones you'd already finished. Because they can. Uh, well, because it gives them another bullet point to add to their patch notes. Well, I don't like it. <laughs> it's the biggest patch ever! Look at all of our bullet points! Well, on your next one, add the bullet point of, we undid that. Our bad. Yeah, um, our bad. Um... <laughs> I don't know. I think that this was this was a pretty decent update, but it's going to be a little bit jarring. Um, I didn't see a whole lot bad, but I, I guess the one big complaint that I would have if we're going to hit bad first okay. is, um, I guess, two bads. Two bads. One is that if you go into the DLC content, the Bespin playlist, or just go to Bespin and hit square, which is what allows you to pick your game mode, heroes versus villains is not a choice. Right. So your obvious place to play as Lando or Dengar to get some of those kills for hut contracts and such doesn't exist within the Bespin playlist. Now, if you go to the regular games, Heroes vs. Villains playlist, you can choose Lando or Dengar while you're playing that in that three-on-three Heroes vs. Villains format that goes to, I guess it's five wins as opposed to three. But it seems weird that there is no Heroes vs. Villains on the new <laughs> maps with those new characters. Um, so that'd be one. The second thing is, good God, the map rotation is horrible. The maps are good, although basically three out of the five look alike. You've got <laughs> yeah, a yeah. fighter squadron map that's really kind of cool because you're flying around with the Tabana gas, little balloon-looking platform things. Mm -hmm. And then there's four interior slash exterior ones where you're playing as the soldiers. You've got one that's a laboratory that basically is the exterior of the laboratory, so it looks like regular Cloud City. You've got one called Cloud City that looks like regular Cloud City, which is pretty big. And you got one, Administrators whatever. Um, I really should know these names <laughs> as much as I played them, which is like the same kind of thing except a little bit. You know, it's, it's you know higher up in the air. You can fall to your death more easily, but the architecture and stuff looks similar, just a little bit oranger. Um, and there's one map. The carbon freezing chamber that actually looks significantly different than every other map. I streamed at least four and a half hours of content from Bespin yesterday. You know how many times in the streaming I actually was able to play on the carbon freezing chamber? Once. <laughs> One damn time. Yeah. I was constantly being sent back to... Usually the Cloud City map over and over again. I think I only played the Laboratory one once also. Uh, the map rotation, given the fact that every mode is 32 players, every mode, including Fighter Squadron, every mode apparently can be played on the size of map that they've provided for Bespin. Like, there's not large or small. It's They're all large enough, I guess, for whatever mode you want to use. To have them not have the map rotation be a little bit more frequently changing between, you know, the maps and rotating them really irks me. Uh, I'm tired. I'm already tired of the architecture of Cloud City, and I've been playing it for a day. Hey, 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 hey. It's, yes? You, you, you got to be quiet talking like that around here. Um. <laughs> look, look, look. I like the architecture of Cloud City. Don't get mm -hmm. me wrong. I like working here. 
Don't like <laughs> running around killing people in the same architecture. If I get PTSD playing Battlefront, I don't know if I can go to work. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, you'll need a doctor's excuse for that. It'll, it's like that guy with the AR-15, and he got PTSD for a couple of temporary PTSD for a couple of hours oh because God. he fired the gun and he didn't have the the headset on, and he, he just he couldn't do it. If I take out a T-21B out there and I start shooting, I could get temporary PTSD for at least a few hours, and I would have to be late to work. <laughs> All right, I'll, uh, I'll I'll remember that next time you're late to work. I yeah, guess. Yeah, we'll see if Palpa Care covers that. <laughs> right. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you. That that is the one thing about it where it, it does some, a lot of because we were playing and I'm like. You're like, oh, I haven't been on this map, and I'm like, how can you tell? <laughs> you know, they they look very, and and it's that's not necessarily a, a negative because they do look the same, but that map is so huge, and there's so many places to go. There was one time where you're like, I was following you. Where were you going? I'm like, I got, I got. Yeah, you went completely <laughs> backwards, and I wound up. I'm like, wait a second, the objective is the opposite direction. I'm, and I just turn around, and I'm like, I still see your little yellow dot. Just <laughs> Because there, there seems like there's no boundaries on Cloud City, which, I mean, come on, you know, welcome to Cloud City. There's no boundaries here. Hello. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, like, it's so huge, and you're like, well, I can just run over here and run over here. It feels like they actually built this massive city where you can run around. So, um, you know, that that's great. But I'm like, are we on a different level, or are we just in another section of that giant level that we haven't explored yet? Yeah, it does look very, very similar. And then, to be fair, I mean, when we see the films, the you know, Cloud City has sort of a specific look to it, and they've nailed the look of the exteriors. They've nailed the look of a lot of the rooms, although they don't have any windows that actually, you know, open. You can't jump through a window or shoot through a window. Um, but it's it's well represented. It's just that. I mean, you look back at the Outer Rim DLC. We had four new maps, only four instead of five for Outer Rim, but two of them were at Jabba's Palace, and even then kind of felt kind of interchangeable at times, and two of them were on Sullust. So we had some variety, not just in terms of each individual map being slightly different than others, but we had two completely different environments in play, whereas with this... It's all the one environment. The only map that looks any different from the others is the carbon freezing chamber. And it's awesome looking because you get in there and you're like, oh, my God, it's hallways and color. (laughs) But you don't play on it nearly enough, at least not in in my experience with it. Right, right. But that's that's stuff that hopefully they'll get... uh get kind of banged out a little bit um you know the, the the last negative thing that i really wanted to uh mention i guess is that it seems like hut contracts got worse not better so. oh see now i would say that the hut contracts actually feel about the same as they were oh no 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 i mean the, some of the the glitching with oh it. the glitching yeah. of, oh I, I mean the glitching it they've been glitched for a while they they right. did fix the one glitch that was driving me the most nuts which was how, when it showed you that hut contract screen at the end of a match, it would show you hut contracts you've already done that were at 100%, so it was completely useless to you, instead of showing you ones you were still doing. Now they show you ones you were still doing, but if any of your previous hut contracts glitched where you actually completed it, but it still reads on the hut contract screen as if there's still stuff to do, they will show up on that screen still. So even though I'm doing like three or four hut contracts, only one of my new ones shows up at all on that screen because the other two are ones that glitched 
when I completed them from Outer Rim. So they sort of fixed that glitch. But you're right. I mean, they're still not tracking right, right. in some cases correctly. I didn't run into that, though, with any of the new ones. Are you running into tracking issues with the new HUD contracts? Yes. Uh, oh, oh, the newest, as in the... Um, like, like the ones just added with the game update and the DLC yesterday. No, those I haven't. But then again, I also haven't really been doing them. So I, ah, I can't say okay. anything. <laughs> and, with that, and I'm they're, not sure they're, And they're pretty decent. I mean, the stuff that they've added... You've got uh, some new star cards, right? You've got a shot grenade now, which can, uh, it's basically like a little stun grenade type thing. And if you're caught in it, you can slam on the, uh, in PlayStation 4 case, the square button to try to escape from it instead of being trapped the entire time. you got scout binoculars that basically, it's kind of like scan pulse, but it doesn't require using a charge. You zoom in and enemy soldiers that you see, um, will wind up uh, being tagged for your entire team for a few seconds. Uh, you get Disruption, which essentially overheats all the weapons of it and, and, uh, uh, and refreshes the star cards of any of the characters near you who are enemies. Those are pretty cool. And we've got a couple more weapons that you can get. You've got the... Uh, and all those star cards, you have a regular and an upgraded version. You can get the uh, X8 Night Sniper, which is Lando's pistol, which once I finally played as Lando, basically means that you go into this weird thing where the, everything is kind of bluish white except for the enemies that are all bright, bright, highlighter yellow. Um, and the EE-4, which is uh, sort of another sort of short to medium range from what I understand, like a shotgun type weapon, but I haven't tried using it yet. I thought you said um, that was a gaming but, convention. That, no, no, E3. Oh, I'm E3. sorry. I can't, I can't but the thing about it, though, is that every single one of these is available exclusively through HUT contracts. There is not a single new star card or weapon that you simply level up to unlock and then pay some credits to get. Instead, every freaking one is pay Jabba some money, go do something to earn it, pay for your value meal, go clean the toilets before they give you your burger. <laughs> wow. uh, which is still my issue, but it does make it easier to get access to those things, of course, for new players. And right. uh, it gives us something else to do. There are 3,500 credits for all, but I think one of the first tier ones, and then all of the upgraded star card ones, like the second tier ones, are all 8,000 just like last time. Right, right. So Can, can we tell them about, about the price of the, uh, of the new costumes? Please, please. I came up with this analogy that just kept cracking Michael up yesterday <laughs> when we were doing the stream. So they've added two new costumes, two new unlockable costumes, right? And these are ones that just you level up to a certain level. It unlocks the ability to buy it. You spend the credits in buying it. How much, Michael, were all of the top tier costumes like the Twi'lek and the Quarren and the Shock Trooper before? Oh, you know what? I don't remember. Oh. 17,000. Yeah, still a good bit. Uh, still a good bit. Now, when you reach level 65, and I think this is for everybody, not just DLC owners, you can get the Bespin Wing Guard costume, only as a black guy. Can't do a white version. Um, just like you can't do a <laughs> Suck Twi'lek. It, guys. You, can't, you can't do a male Twi'lek, only a female <laughs> Twi'lek, and so on. Um, and then if you hit level 70, you can be a Shock Trooper. That's a Stormtrooper with the red stuff on it that you used to be using as an Imperial Guard. Like if a, if somebody spawned as Palpatine, you could spawn as one of his guards and you would look like that. Now that's an unlockable skin and the guards that spawn with Palpatine actually are the red Imperial Guards that you would expect from Return of the Jedi. Um, but both of those can be yours 
for 20,000 credits. 20,000 credits? We could almost buy our own ship for that. And another well, ship for that. As I say, because Luke said that 10,000 they could almost buy their own ship for, <laughs> and 17 was enough to have Han being, these guys must really be desperate, this could really save my neck, and so on. So, holy crap, that is some expensive costumes, but... Uh, right. You know, so so you have to choose if you're in the Star Wars galaxy. Like, of course, yeah. we are with this whole meta thing. You have to choose buy two starships or one new, uh, one new outfit. That's right. Uh, Those are the- my God, it's like Paris Hilton is playing. <laughs> exactly. But I mean, once again, I kind of get it when you really look at it in comparison. That's what three thousand more. Um, and if you're looking at it as a leveling system uh, on the way to go, it gives you a little more. Uh, incentive, I guess, to try to keep playing, keep building up, but, instead of but, just feeling like, ah, well, I'm already here. But again, talking about the prices in the progression system, when you get to those higher levels, it is 80,000 experience right. to go from one level to the next, which amounts to 8,000 credits. So, basically, you have to level up five, no, not, I was going to say five times. It's, well, to be able to get both of them, you would have to level up Five times to get enough credit. And that is a lot of playing yeah. to be able to pull it off. And it means, and, and at the same time, you're trying to get these or trying to save up for these. You're also trying to get the HUD contracts to get the new guns, the new star cards. It still feels like the game's economy of XP, credits, and in game prices, it still feels broken to me. I, you know, um, I was going to say never tell me the odds, but I, I kind of get what you're saying because I do feel like that uh, the guns for the game, you get those pretty quickly, but um, then after that, once it starts coming to getting some of the more uh, frivolous stuff like the uh, the costumes, that those do, uh, you know, they come a lot later, uh, they're very expensive, so I kind of get that, but then I say, okay... Do I want it to be more balanced? Because do I do I necessarily want to have um, you know somebody running around with a blaster that uh, could you know because with uh, different updates and stuff that one could be the blaster to have at the moment and it could be very frustrating if if you're not like the, to that like point they yet. did with the uh, at first with the uh, DL44 mm-hmm. where if you if you bought the was it the season pass I know it was the season pass or if you bought the deluxe edition. You got the DL44 unlocked from the beginning. Otherwise, you had to work for it. So for the first few weeks, people running around the DL44, I was like, "You bastards, you suck." Um, but I, I just, I think about it, and it's not so much the gun. I mean, the guns unlock fairly early or unlock through hut contracts. The star cards, relatively early, and then hut contracts and whatnot. But I'm thinking more in terms of like the costumes and the emotes, the frivolous stuff. That doesn't really mean anything to anybody unless you just like that sort of goofy stuff, which again is playing to the casual fans, are the extremely, extremely expensive items. Like, for instance, by comparison to level up a star card is 90, or what is it, it's like 88 or something percent of leveling up once when you get to those higher levels, or to... To purchase the privilege of doing a top-tier hut contract is one leveling up worth of credits. Whereas, I mean, more than twice that, two and a half times that, for a freaking costume? <laughs> I don't know. To me, that just seems odd because you would think that the that those types of things, the cosmetic stuff, is the stuff that you would unlock earlier and for cheaper because it lets people feel like they're customizing without unbalancing the game that much. And instead... 
they make it more the end game content. You want the end game content to feel substantial. That's why games have raids and things like that. And instead, the end game com- content for Battlefront is you get to look different. What? Right. <laughs> um, but uh, so look, but talking about them though, I'm actually really happy because I thought about that beforehand, but I wasn't sure how they could make the balance. With the, the shock, the shock troopers. Um, yep. I think it's cool that you can now get that shock trooper skin. Um, that that's cool. I I, I think that um, that's a good way to go because I I was trying to think of what are some more troopers that we can get to give them more skins because you have several different aliens with the um, with the rebels, but with you just really have two choices with the um, the imperials. Granted, yeah, you can pick your different face or whatever like human face but let's let's be honest those are dumb and if you play just as a human face you're dumb well well maybe what they'll do is they'll <laughs> give us the ability to play as the shadow trooper with your face uncovered how would you like that for 20,000 a pop i wouldn't like that at all i wouldn't i wouldn't <laughs> do that like even if it was like 5,000 a pop now, i would not do that let me answer a question that you asked on the stream yesterday. Mm-hmm. You asked me, have you seen the Royal Guards actually playing alongside Palpatine, and how do they look? Yeah. Um, they look like they're film incarnations. They don't appear quite as bulky as the Crimson Empire versions. And okay. yes, what they're carrying appears to be like heavy blaster-type weapons, or it looks like almost like a... It's long enough that it almost looks like maybe their pike is a blaster, or it's a blaster that's long enough to kind of simulate it like we saw in some of the toys way back in the 80s. Right. But they do, they do look, it makes sense okay. when they're out there fighting. It doesn't look like they should be standing guard somewhere because they're not <laughs> capable. And it doesn't look like their weapons are somehow shoehorned into their character model. It does look natural, so to speak. Okay, so it doesn't look like Tag and Bink. Right, right. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Manny Bothhands died. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's, what we, that's what we need. We need an, a thing at the end of ours. You know, you know we got... Star Wars report talking about how many Bothans died to bring the podcast. We need an image of the dude from Tag and Bank and say, many Bothans died to bring us this one. (laughs) It may not have been a bunch of furry dudes, but it was Manny, and Manny was our friend. That's right. Um, So, yeah, I I was really intrigued by it because I'm like, well, that's kind of cool. I like the idea that we'll get to actually see those guys, but that could be kind of strange if they're running around with blasters in their dresses, as I kept insisting they were wearing. Again, if Hillary Clinton can wear a potato sack as a designer dress, then those can count as manly attire. Those are uh, Royal Guard uniforms. <laughs> yeah, so um, th- that's really cool. I need to get into uh, heroes versus villains for multiple reasons. Um, mm-hmm. That well, and because Lando. Well, let's, then let's talk Lando. Yeah, I know yeah. You're, you're dying to talk Lando. Okay, yeah, let's go. Okay, so... What do you think? You've played alongside him. Yet you didn't get a chance to play as him, did you? No, I, I never, I never was able to grab the uh, the pickup. So, uh, but, I, but I did see him in the game, and he is voiced by Billy D, which is pretty awesome. PS4 works every time. <laughs> um, he's actually pretty cool. I haven't played as Dengar yet. I've mm-hmm. seen Dengar in play. He has his uh, heavy blaster. He apparently has a a sweeping attack while running forward called the Hurricane Strike. Um, he has uh, a, a a move that sounds really cool where he runs forward and sticks grenades to everybody he passes called oh, the Explosive cool. Rush. I want to try that. Yeah, that, that could be um, really fun. 
had a thing called Frenzied Blast that also greatly increases the fire rate for his primary weapon, which is already a heavy blaster that fires pretty quickly. Um, Lando, I found he's, he's, he's an odd one to play as. I like him better than I like Nine Numb. Um, basically, uh, as you're, you're playing, um, you're, there's a, a bar at the bottom of one, two, three, which are represented by dice, which I thought was pretty cool. That's mm-hmm. um, growing. And you have a thing called the Power Blast you can use. And once you activate it, it's going to give a critical modifier uh, on Lando's blaster file fire for a short time. So, like, if your critical modifier to get critical hit, which gives you extra damage, might be... I'm just going to throw some numbers out there out of my butt. Let's say it's two. Then maybe this modifier gives you four. And it's just a question of... um, how likely it is that your critical hit's going to take... Uh, basically, it's it's luck. It's chance, right? Which is what they promised with the character. Um, then you have Shocking Trap, which... That, that one's actually, really cool. See, I haven't caught anybody with it. It's like a decoy that gets thrown on the ground to confuse the enemy and shock anyone that gets close. I've dropped it. I've never caught anybody with it. So if you're playing against Lando, does it look like Lando or something? No. Or is it like just a landmine? No, it looks like an upgrade. Uh, wait, yeah. it looks like an... Oh, you mean a power-up? Yeah. Oh, okay, now that's cool. I like right. that. I had never seen it from the opposite perspective, so I wasn't sure what it was supposed to look like. And then system disruption is like Disruptor, uh, which basically disrupts all the weapons and star cards of your enemies that are around you. So their star cards start to refresh. Hero abilities start to refresh. So you can't use them while they're refreshing. And I actually think the coolest thing about Lando is that, you know, that, uh, what do they call it? That gun, the X8 Night Sniper that you can earn that does that weird, like, night vision looking thing when you aim down sights, when you do ADS with it. Mm-hmm. Um, that is his primary weapon. So he has that weird, if he's firing from the hip, he fires normally, but if you try to aim down sights, as soon as you hold down L2, you get that weird bluish thing and all the enemies out there highlighted in yellow, which makes them easier to spot and, uh, and fire upon, and you can combine that with using your other abilities because it's just like a regular weapon. So Lando, Lando's pretty cool, and I've actually seen that chance thing work. I've used that chance ability for power blast, and I've seen where it hasn't given me a critical modifier, and I've seen where it has, and it's a night and day difference on how much damage you do to the enemy, but you can really tell that it's sort of a random modifier, and it's like Lando rolling the dice. I think that's just... It, for, for some, it might be like, well, why is it a power-up if it doesn't work all the time? But I like the thematic nature of making it based on chance, because it's freaking Lando. I was double-checking just to make sure, because it did definitely sound like Billy D. Uh, Dingar is actually played by Simon Pegg. Uh, so Simon Pegg had played... Uh, Dengar back in the Clone Wars, and so they've actually got him to reprise his role uh, for this. So I thought that was kind of interesting, um, you know, that, that they are actually managing to get some of these uh, characters to come back. Uh, for instance, C-3PO uh, has done, uh, or excuse me, Anthony Daniels has done C-3PO. I gotta say, though, with Simon Pegg, he still rubs me the wrong way when it comes to Star Wars. I mean, I'm still trapped in the, this was the asshat who was bashing the hell out of Lucas and the prequels and everything. And then when given the opportunity to voice Dengar in a story set during the prequel era, all of a sudden he loves it all again. And then they bring him into episode seven. Mm. Uh, Though that may have been more of a J.J. Abrams thing. There's still a part of me that thinks, you know, hey, it's Simon Pegg, he's in Star Wars. Oh yeah, and screw him. Every time I hear his name in relation to Star Wars. So 
Him being Dengar, it's cool continuity coming back from Clone Wars. But I still hear Simon Pegg, and I'm like, huh, huh, somebody needs to reduce his portions. <laughs> I mean, my thing is that I I don't have an issue with it that some people do. Like, I get it. I get a lot of people uh, don't care for what he said about the prequels and everything. But, I mean, he does like the OT. I mean, he's a Star Wars fan. I can't, you know, if, if somebody doesn't like something, I mean, that would be like, um, you know, me... Um, trashing you for not liking uh, Aftermath, or yeah. you know, yeah. and or me trashing you for not liking the Thrawn trilogy. Well, I like the Thrawn trilogy. I just <laughs> not, okay. or so, thinking Aftermath. No, yeah. I, I totally agree. Uh, I, am I don't like Battle the Battlefront book. I'm a total hypocrite on this because (laughs) my chance of writing for Dark Horse for Star Wars with Star Wars Tales came out of a rant on a podcast that I did about how they were unable to meet their deadlines, not proofreading their own stuff and so on before it went to print. So I was basically lambasting Dark Horse (laughs) and it wound up spinning into, hey, you want to write a story? So I totally get that I'm an absolute hypocrite on this, but... (laughs) whatever reason Simon Pegg is still rubbing me the wrong way given enough time and I think it'll I think it'll get better give me a chance to see him in more Trek stuff and think of him as Scotty rather than Simon and I'll be fine yeah I don't know it looks I, I see both sides of it I'm just for myself personally I uh, I let it go because I I just I understand that there's a lot of people who say negative things but they are <laughs> still fans of Star Wars as a whole so to transition, uh-huh. just mentioned Simon Pegg, Scotty, J.J. Yes. Abrams' Star Trek. What does the first film start with near the beginning? sabotage! <laughs> and that, see the transition there? That clunky transition, uh, but hey, I'm part droid. Uh, that is the new game mode for Bespin. We have a new game mode called Sabotage, um, and we've played this several times. So... What did you think of it? What did you think of Sabotage? Um, Sabotage looks cool. I got to be honest. It kind of feels like Walker Assault, really. Um, kind of. Or but, um, what's the other one that we just got? Extraction to a degree. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, you know, that's that's sort of... Uh, they're, they're parallels and not uh, identical on, on all of these different missions. So it's you're playing variations on the same theme. But, you know, it's cool. I, I like that we're getting more stuff that makes this feel like a, an... A, makes them feel more like an objective-based game rather than go shoot people. Very true. Um, For those who haven't played Sabotage or seen much about it, basically the gist is that uh, the Rebels have set up... The Rebels are trying to escape from Cloud City. The Empire's garrison has taken over, and the Rebels are trying to escape. And there's tractor beams that are going to keep their ship from being able to leave. So they need to disable or destroy these three generators that would disrupt the the tractor beams and then secure their extraction point. So you start as the Rebels with three different places you need to go to activate and protect these explosives. And when the time runs out, kind of like capturing a pod in drop zone, it explodes. And then that one doesn't need to be worried about anymore. And once you do all three of those as the Rebels, then you have to go secure your extraction point. And in that case... You have to keep holding your extraction point, I believe it's all the way up until the end, because it doesn't count as you trying to capture it when you're standing in it. it, Your time is just running out. And if you can pull that off, you win. If you're the Empire, then you're doing the opposite. You're trying to get to their explosives 
and deactivate them, or if they've all gone off, you're trying to go to the landing field and capture it like you would, say, in uh, Turning Point or Supremacy before the time runs out. Uh, basically, you capture the landing zone before time runs out, you're good. Or if you're still on the part with the uh, explosives, if time runs out and the Rebels haven't been able to set all three of them off, you win that way also. So it's another of these modes that has the Empire winning by default in some parts of the match. Though I think it's interesting that at the end, if time runs out before the, the Empire can capture the extraction zone, the Rebels can win by default. Whereas with Walker Assault and Extraction, if time runs out, it is simply an Imperial victory no matter what. There's no chance for the Rebels to have a default win because of the timer. Right, right. So it's really cool. I want I want to get some more uh, hands on with it, but um, you know, definitely definitely liking it as a whole. I'm liking everything, and and like you talked about with that, um, that sort of even sets the theme for Bespin, which is, um, you know, you and I were talking about this yesterday in the uh, the live stream. It is really gorgeous. Um, it, it reminds me a bit, uh, I mean, obviously it reminds me of Bespin, but it also looks a bit like uh, the Citadel from Mass Effect. It kind of has that look to it. Um, it. It very much looks like, you know, when you're running in and out of the buildings, it reminds me of uh, some nicer hotels, you know, like if you're running into, like, say, the Hyatt or the Hilton or something like that, you know, the um, it looks sort of like some of the lobbies to there going into the... Um, into some of those uh, those buildings, which to me is kind of what it should look like, right? Because that's just sort of the feel that I get from Bespin. Because um, it's like because it's like a bunch of fans in a hotel doing cosplay. Uh, I'm I meant just year round, not specifically uh, for conventions, but sure. Oh, so so it's like running into the hotel with a weapon. No. <laughs> oh, okay, I, I'm just I'm making sure that I'm following you. No, I just I just meant the look of the hotel, not the <laughs> not the other stuff. Please um, don't do any of these things. <laughs> don't get arrested. Uh, to 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 add to the thought about look, uh, there mm -hmm. is something we haven't touched on mm -hmm. um, because one of the other maps is that awesome, uh, you know, flying near Cloud City on Bespin, where you've got the different. It's like a gigantic flying map with uh, with all kinds of obstacles in a sense because you've got all these Tabana gas mining well, operation things going on. Well, yeah, but yeah, you're yeah. actually playing as a cloud car mm -hmm. now. And you can choose it from both sides. So if you go in as the Rebels, you can pick X-Wing, A-Wing, or a cloud car. That's orange. If you're going as the Imperials, it's TIE Fighter, TIE Interceptor, or a blue cloud car. They didn't introduce a new ship for each side. They introduced, it, they introduced a new ship for each side. <laughs> or... Something like that. Ship. What did you think of the cloud right. car and the fighter squadron map? So, um, surprisingly, uh, we both, well, I guess not that surprisingly if you know us, but uh, we both fell on different sides of this. I really like it. Um, because, when, you know, we're setting up and I said, well, I said, you know, to me it doesn't really seem to make much difference. All the ships in fighter squadron feel pretty much the same. And then I was like, all right, but let me select it. And I was like, no, this feels different. Um the only way to really explain it is it feels sort of uh, jukey or, you know, it, it, it sort of bobs a bit the way that it flies. Um, and I, I, That may be a bit hard to, to grasp, but if, if you play it, you'll, you'll definitely get what I'm saying. Um, it seems slower and it doesn't, uh, it's very wide on the turns, but it uh, seems like it's got pretty good armor and some, uh, even though it's actual uh, blast or, it shoots slower. They definitely seem a lot more powerful. 
Yeah, I was I was pretty negative on them. It feels like they're, they're somewhat slower, though still not as slow as a regular TIE fighter. Um, they fire fairly slowly, and their evasive maneuver, for the love of God, if you're doing an evasive maneuver in a cloud car, do the one where you press up and you do a 180-degree turn. Don't try to do one of the ones that take you in a wide turn, because right now you're using the cloud car on... Uh, on Bespin, and you're going to wide turn and possibly <laughs> run into something. Which? Because um, it's a really, really wide turn. It's not a barrel roll to the side. It's basically a huge, wide arcing turn. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of like... And, and the other thing about Fighter Squadron, and, and another place where we were divided when doing the stream yesterday, is they have upped the number of kills required for a match of Fighter Squadron to end across the board. It used to be 200. So you could jump into Fighter Squadron, do a match, the match is over in a few minutes, you do another one, you're racking up the XP, you're having fun with it, and it's just in and out, in and out, in and out. You're not always playing as the Empire, which kind of sucks. Um, You're playing as the Rebels more often, you're constantly switching between sides, uh, frequently switching maps. Fun, fun, fun. Now it's double. It is 400 kills to end the match, which to me makes Fighter Squadron, which is my favorite mode, feel interminably long. I am constantly (laughs) looking up at the score, just like, when is this going to end? Which should not be the case for my favorite match type. In your case, didn't you say that you thought that they were originally too small, too short? Yeah, I felt like, you know, you were getting out just as soon as you were getting in a lot of times. And I feel like now that it it actually feels like it's uh, the same length as some of the other game uh, format. <laughs> That's so. what she said. I'm sorry, I couldn't stop it. That's <laughs> no, cool. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's to me, it feels uh, it feels just right now. But um, man, I hate you so much right now. <laughs> but, uh, uh, what? <laughs> not that. what? Did I break your concentration? Yeah. Um, <laughs> My bad. But you know, it's it's uh, it's going to depend on the person, I guess. You know, that's that's why we have choices yeah. i suppose yeah now some other things that they've done um talking about just the fighter squadron thing raising up the the cap for kills they've also made some broader changes to the game itself um they have made a uh, scan pulse work a little differently mm-hmm. it's not one blast now it's pulses that go on every two seconds um and anybody who is seen by it shows up as visible for half a second. So it's not like one pulse and people stay visible so much as it's more like a sonar, like a blip, blip, blip. Um, You can now, if you're using a charged star card, like let's say um, Ion Shot, and you you just activated it and oh crap, now the ATAT isn't going to take any damage because the little Y-Wing counter is run out. You can hit it again and basically use the same control as activating it, and it'll stop the activation and immediately start the refresh. You don't have to wait till it totally runs out to start the refresh now, which is nice. Um, the pulse cannon is now more like sniper rifles in other games where there's actually a laser glint that'll be seen by the person who is being targeted so they can kind of see in general where the shot's coming from. Um, things like that. I would say probably the biggest... And uh, coolest change that they made is one that has made a mode that I've usually hated more playable. Kind of like when they took Hero Hunt and changed the way it decides who gets to be the next hero for being who gets the kill shot to a quantity of damage. Droid Run. Droid Run has been revamped. Now instead of it being just capture all three droids and if you can hold them for 20 seconds, you win. 
which basically means that unless you can pull that off as a team, which is pretty tough, only the last 30 seconds really count and who controls the most at the very end uh, or the most number of the three droids. Now what happens is as you capture them, when you capture all three, uh, you start basically filling up a meter that can go all the way up to 100%. And the other team, if they capture all three, their meter starts to fill. And if neither team hits 100%, which is an automatic win, then whichever team has held all three at once for the longest cumulatively will wind up winning the match, which makes it a lot more competitive and makes basically everything beyond the last 30 seconds actually right. matter now. Right. Uh, it makes Droid Run feel playable to me. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. I think that was a, a great change um, that was, was needed for that one. Um, one thing I do want to kind of just jump back to real quick, because uh, I wanted to mention with Sabotage, you know, th there really is sort of a theme to this this Bespin um, uh, pack, whatever, I can't even think of what it's called at the moment, but uh, um, which is that the, the Empire is essentially um, taken over, and it's you can actually see the, uh, the walkers that are on Bespin. Um, and then of course there's actually the, uh, the Imperial banners, like they've essentially just like taken up shop in, in some of these buildings and they're like, yeah, we own this now. And you actually see the, uh, the Imperial cog on a banner, which is, I don't know, it's, it's kind of neat. And then it also has sort of almost like this, uh, dystopian, like Nazi type feel to it too. And it adds color where there really isn't. Any. Um, speaking of which, we really need to talk to a painter about this place. Um, but I guess the other thing that you and I kept every time you said there's sort of a theme to it, I was expecting you to go here, but you didn't. Uh -huh. oh, I'm sorry. Which is something you meant before you said before about um, the team based component and objective based gaming. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's interesting in that sabotage, particularly because of the way that the mechanics of that work, you'll have a tendency to run into a room and there's like 15 people from the other team out of the 16 in that room ready to kill you. Um, there's a lot more sort of clustering around the objectives naturally based on the way it's designed and the way that the that it's paced out. Um, also, they've done some things with the uh, user interface, uh, the HUD or whatever you want to call it, so that now... Like, let's say me and Michael are playing, and we're playing as partners. Unlike the one time somehow that we wound up on opposite sides yesterday. I don't know how that happened. Um, but apparently it can if your partner's still. Um, but if you're playing with someone who's your partner, and it will still automatically randomly assign you, but now it'll tell you who it's assigned you to when it, when it first happens. Um, basically, if you are close, or let's put it this way, if they die, you'll see a little yellow circle with an X over their head. Uh, for wherever they are, if they're anywhere within your line of sight, even far away. If they are very far away, you'll have a little yellow circle with an exclamation point, meaning there's nothing you can do about it. They're too far away. But if they are close enough, that little exclamation point or X is replaced by the little refresh symbol that kind of spins a little bit. And basically what happens is if you're close enough to your partner, anytime you use a star card... It will refresh signif well, significantly, somewhat faster. I think it's like 25% or whatever. It'll refresh faster while you are near your partner. And like your cards will be outlined in yellow. And when they're refreshing, instead of it just being the regular refresh animation, it has the little refresh symbol spinning over top of it. They're really seeming to finally start pushing this idea of bigger team tactics and play with your partner, which is not something they really 
emphasized all that much previously. I mean, if you had a randomly assigned partner, really all they were good for was to spawn on their location. And they've even, in a sense, done something with that because when you try to do the partner start, which is now the top option rather than the second option when you're trying to spawn into a match, um, if you can't spawn in on your partner, which happens a lot, it seems, um, <laughs> it'll actually tell you why. Like, are, are, you, are, are you saying you I die a lot? Is that, is that what you're No, it'll, just, it'll say not available. <laughs> like, anytime I was playing, it would say not available a lot, even yeah. though they apparently have reduced the distance that another enemy could be near your partner for you to spawn from, like, 20 meters to two or something. I was still getting not available a lot, but every so often you'd get, like, partner is in danger, partner is whatever. And it'll tell you specifically That's why cool. in yeah. the game mechanics you can't spawn. And I thought that was kind of cool. Mm -hmm. So partner and team play is finally really kind of being highlighted, which... I, I think, in a sense, is something the game really kind of needed from the get-go because it's really almost felt like everybody's playing most of the modes like Blast, which is just a free-for-all team deathmatch. I mean, let's have some team tactics and actually play the objectives like I don't usually. <laughs> right. So, I mean, I mean, I, I think that's pretty much covered everything, but that's that's the one thing, you know, you and I will certainly jump on it will be the first to jump on them when uh something is not being done correctly or whatever but at the same time really got to give praise uh when it's due and and i i gotta say that I, th I think that they're really getting toward um the game that that we want i think so i mean i don't think that getting towards the game that we want should require us to buy two dlcs worth of content for extra money um but if you take the money out of the equation, yeah, they're getting towards a, a much stronger product here. Although, I'm kind of torn right now as to which of the DLCs I preferred, uh, whether Outer Rim or this. I mean, I like Lando. I'm probably going to like Dengar. Uh, I'm not sure whether Sabotage or Extraction is a favorite of mine at this point. I'm leaning towards Sabotage, but I don't know. The, the little changes, like what they did with Fighter Squadron and... Like with the with the doubling the length of it basically, and really the lack of rotation in the maps and the fact that the maps don't feel all that different except for one that you rarely see. <laughs> it just it's it's easy for me to get bored with Battlefront because in a lot of ways it's extremely repetitious. Unless I'm doing a live stream, I will usually only play it for you know fifteen twenty minutes and then I'm done. Well, um, but and I feel yeah. like. Bespin is just leaning more that direction with its oh, there's just something about it. I'm 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 not sure. I'm not sure. Which do you prefer? Oh, well, I definitely prefer Bespin over the uh the outer rim one. I mean, I think the outer just rim one is Orlando. Well, I mean, no, <laughs> it's I mean, I think everything, even the um adding in the cloud cars because the cloud cars aren't just in fighter squadron, they're also um they're like T forty seven. Right, right. So that's cool. I think I think we're getting a lot more now. Um, I don't know. I just feel like that the game is is fuller now. You know, like like we we're getting uh, just a, a little bit more uh, for what we need. And like I said, I I'm really happy with things as a whole. Um, even like you were talking about, you know, needing the the expansions for that, but not just that. Um, consider some, a lot of these changes that are that are happened as updates that you don't necessarily need those expansions for that I think mm -hmm. were really good moves. So, like I said, it's you know it, it's one of those things where I, I've said before, you know, I've always hated the the whole um, 
hamburger thing where they're like, oh, it used to be that you paid for this and you got the whole hamburger, but now they charge you for the bun and then they charge you more. And it's like, yes, but the prices are cheaper. You know, it, it all kind of balances out. Games and- games have cost $60 for like the past 20 years, you know, and, and it's like clearly that's... Um, that's cheaper than it, than it was then because yeah the um inflation yeah because inflation has went up and and before that games were even more expensive uh, so back during the uh, super nes times so so thanks obama thanks bush <laughs> thanks whoever thanks clinton thanks <laughs> I, have we have we i don't know that we've had really a period of deflation in quite a while at least significant um now i was I guess the question that, that comes to my mind, though, is yes, this feels like there's a lot of good content, and it really feels like it's sort of – it's finally starting to follow – I always compare it to Destiny because Destiny had sort of a, a, a rough early period, and they refined things with the UI and whatnot along the way, kind of like what Battlefront is doing now. And I think they're on uh, the right track with all of that, but as far as – yes, it's more of the game that we wanted in the first place, but – I can't divorce that realistically from the price. Uh, I mean, it's 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 much stronger if you take the money out of the equation, as I said. Mm-hmm. But I mean, at this point, someone who bought these DLCs a la carte, or someone who bought the season pass, have paid either once Bestman is available, either thirty bucks or twenty five bucks essentially for these two DLCs on top of the base game, which may have been the deluxe edition. So we're talking about basically a game and a half worth of money. Does it feel like a game and a half worth of content yet? And I think my answer to that would still be no. I still don't think they've hit the point where they've justified their price tags, but they're getting closer. Yeah, okay. I mean, that's and I, I can agree with that. And like I said, hopefully... Um, they give from looking at it, uh, I guess I'm just being optimistic from seeing the direction that, uh, things are moving in. So um, now if they do the VR mission and I go killing and getting a 10 kill streak without dying or something causes the voice of Finn in the back to go, that's one hell of a pilot. I'll be sold. <laughs> well, I hope they do that for you then. Well, exactly, and then I, and then I can show up, and, and and in VR, somebody can look at me with that "Hey, look!" and compliment my jacket. Right, right. That was actually their jacket. So, um, one thing I, I gotta mention now, uh, we got a couple of shout-outs. shout outs. Um, Eric Pfeiffer, uh, he, from uh, Twin Sons Transmission. He had actually kind of mentioned the whole thing about, you know, because we were trying to come up with, um, you know, the extra add-on with the uh, the hut contracts. But he he even brought up the fact that um, there's no level requirement. So that's kind of the uh, the trade-off, I, I guess, for that. Um, and then another great one was uh, from Andrew Loopy on uh, on uh, uh, Twitter, who said, uh, I, I find it funny that it's Nate is the one who is hating on IG-88. Uh, which is in reference to our Shadows of the Empire episode where you were getting mad at the end of the episode about uh, the different IG-88 variations. Oh, just, just that it can be confusing and stuff, but <laughs> that's all right. That's all right. Andrew, uh, Andrew has, has has full realm to uh, to be able to say that that I'm sometimes inconsistent because we did podcast together for a while on the EU review, and certainly he knows my inconsistency as well as you will soon. <laughs> 
right on, man. But all right, man. Well, I think that's uh, that's going to do it for this episode, unless you had anything else you wanted to remark on. Uh, no, other than just uh, keep an eye out, folks, on uh, my YouTube channel. It's youtube.com slash user slash chrono radio. I'm going to be doing more Battlefront live streams, but as much as possible, I'm going to try to get Michael on there some more. Um, he was just on the one that was the last of the ones released on June 21st, the launch day for Bespin, and hopefully we'll be on them soon. So if you want to hear more from both of us talking Battlefront while we're playing Battlefront, um, you have the opportunity and to interact with us through the chat where we're discussing things as we play. So a very cool way to get your Cloud City Casino fix outside of the standard podcasting realm. That's right. And those are a little more... Uh unleashed as well so. a little more uncensored <laughs> <laughs> there's no yep. editing to this right right so uh yeah, we just, and, and more of me dropping the band hammer on the chat every once in a while too apparently <laughs> well it's i don't even remember what that was about i was just like um okay <laughs> i don't, I don't know, know i, I forget it was I something forget. ridiculous I mean, once the commenters mentioned that, I, that we had a cancer in our chat and i was like yeah we kind of did for a little bit but i don't even remember what it was about yeah some sort that's of, what the band hammer is for it's yeah. fire and forget so uh but anyhow that's it for this edition of cloud city casino um one uh once again you know there's a couple places you can reach out to us uh we have our email at cloudcitycasino at gmail.com as well as uh our twitter which is just at cloud city casino and then of course there's a uh, cloud city casino facebook page and you can find uh all of our stuff over at starwarsreport.com um and then uh nate once you go ahead and just kind of hit some of your other stuff besides your YouTube channel? Sure. Uh, really, StarWarsReport.com is where you're going to find Star Wars Beyond the Films also, which I host with Mark Herleman. Just had a new episode released that I believe starts a big round of feedback relating to, among other things, The Force Awakens. And uh, you can find my Star Wars Timeline Gold, the most comprehensive Star Wars chronology available anywhere over at StarWarsFanWorks.com slash timeline. So, All right. yeah. And then, of course... Uh, these episodes, if you're not already subscribed, can be found on iTunes, TuneIn, and Stitcher. Um, and really appreciate it if you'd go ahead and just leave us a review. Uh, we've not gotten one in, in quite a while, so... Uh, is, you, is the last one still the one that says Bruce is awesome, I think basically? So. I think, and and that, that I can weep at every time I see it and be like... <laughs> I, I think at this point they're just doing it just to spite you. I don't know. Because um, <laughs> it seems like we're actually getting more, um, you know, more feedback and responses than ever, but uh, none of them are going and leaving reviews. So I don't know. Um, but yeah, if, if you want to do that, go over, uh, just, you know, iTunes, click over reviews. It takes just a second to, to do that. And it helps us out a lot. So uh, we certainly appreciate it. Um, I know we've, we've uh, gone kind of long on this episode, but we've taken a bit of a break. So uh, thanks again, and always remember... Let the Wookiee win. All right. When you're playing on Bespin. That's what they need. They need a Wookiee skin, man.
can't use them while they're refreshing. Excuse me, holy shit. Wow. <laughs> My bad. So you can't... I need to grab a drink here in a second, too. Um, this party's over.